The following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Comey Snake. Welcome back to Escape from New York Minute, where we celebrate and analyze the dystopian classic one minute at a time. I am Molly Balin. And I am Eric Deutsch. And for one last magnificent time this week, we welcome back Kevin Young of Reopening the Wormhole, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. I'm so excited to be reopening New York with you guys. Oh, that's fun. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for for joining us and and dealing with our trash and our fires and our weird wires and our pee. (laughs) Yeah, that's sure. No problem. (laughs) (laughs) So we have finally made it to minute 30. And this minute starts out with Snake chatting to Hauk. About uh, taking a while to get to the ground floor, and Snake is real sinister with a silencer, and it ends with Snake on approach to the crash. And there's some awesome, sweet little synth zings here in this minute. So um, we are going to get a little bit more of the lay of the land here. Yeah, we actually, as you mentioned, the synth, and as we talked about yesterday, Kevin liking the music. We are in our next song here. This one's called Descent into New York. I have nothing else to add. That's just the name of the song. <laughs> cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, as, as I've stated earlier in past minutes that I uh, haven't really watched this movie for reals, but maybe you guys can just enlighten me. Is this the first time he's just walking around on the street in New York in the movie? <laughs> Yes, yes, the end of this minute, our protagonist finally actually hits the streets of New York prison. Yeah, wow. and, um, this has been discussed a bunch of times before, but we finally are on location here with Kurt Russell. We obviously, we were on location with uh, Romero and Hauk earlier in the movie, but this is now Kurt Russell for the first time appearing on the location shoot, which is East St. Louis. So yeah, we boots on the ground, minute 30, finally. We get our main guy actually in the prison. I mean, he's been to New York before. He had a he had a woman that he loved, and he lost her, and you know had like went to Coney Island, and that was good. And so this is his first time back. I'm totally giving you shit right now, like it's not real, but like <laughs> <laughs> I honestly believed you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm the co-host, and for a second I was like, I don't remember reading that on any of the stuff I've read. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I periodically just make things up, but I really, but that, I'm glad I that's that's authentically like it's it's not real. But okay. uh, we have this uh, we have a kind of a sense here that it's maybe a little dodgy here in the prison. I mean, we kind of thought that, but uh, we have this kind of interesting thing where Snake is you know getting ready and he's futzing with his equipment, and there's there's a little shadowy person thing here that runs past in the hallway that he doesn't see yeah and it's made clear and it's it's interesting because in the context of the movie we end up we, we just assume it's just some weird prisoner running around but there is a whole cut scene that was in the the it was in the shooting script and the scenes included in the novel as well that lets us know that this person running by him is a member of the Redskin Gang, and the 
cut scene here is it takes place in the main lobby after Snake gets downstairs. He has an encounter with this Redskins gang. And let me tell you, these Redskins are indeed Native Americans. And this scene is pure stereotype. I don't know if John Carpenter at the last minute realized this is pure stereotype. I should cut this or if they ran out of time or money or what. But uh, uh, here, here is the scene as it's described in the script. Snake gets into the lobby, and he sees three of these Native Americans in the lobby, and they're cooking a cat over a fire. And they have a long pole with scalps on it, because of course they do, because they're Native Americans. And here's the the long description of the scene. And keep in mind, most of the sentences, if you look at the script online, most of these sentences end with an exclamation mark. Slowly, Pliskin backs away from the guard station. Suddenly, out of the darkness behind him, a figure leaps out. A fourth Indian. Wild eyes. Piano wire stretched like a noose between his hands. He loops the wire. Over Pliskin's head. Around his neck. Pliskin reacts. The last second. His hand to his neck. The piano wire snaps around his hand instead of his neck. The Indian yanks him backward. And screams. A war hoop. Pliskin moves. Jams his elbow backward into the Indian's gut. Indian doubles over. Pliskin ducks out of the piano wire noose, spins around, and drops the Indian with a forearm to his neck. Instantly, Pliskin begins to run down the corridor. Around the guard station come the three other Indians. Bows, knives, arrows in their hands. Pliskin reaches into his backpack, pulls out the flare pistol, stops, spins around, cocks the flare pistol, fires. The flare hits the floor in front of the three Indians and explodes. Hissing, splashing phosphorus balls of fire fill the corridor, like a miniature napalm blast. The Indians dive for cover. Pliskin races away down the corridor. A door blasts open. Pliskin lurches out and runs to a concrete wall. He ducks behind it. Several beats. The three Indians charge out the door. In a frenzy, searching for him, they race over to the concrete wall. Camera pulls back to reveal Pliskin is gone. And then the movie picks up with what we actually see. Wow. I'm sad they didn't include that, but also probably is for the best. Yeah, I mean, you've got scalps on a pole, you've got the war hoop, you've got, they've got bows and arrows. I mean, it, it's, you know, pretty pretty bad stereotyping going on there. The, the gang's even called the Redskins. Yeah, I don't understand why they needed to be Native American gang. <laughs> yeah, it could have been any, it could have been anyone. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, the stuff they describe sounds kind of fun, aside from that. so they didn't actually shoot that that was just in the script correct yes okay okay yeah no that's uh yeah less culturally sensitive (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i i yeah no that was good that they they let that go um yeah yeah i think that it's it's a little more effective anyway i mean aside from you know the other uh well racist connotations of that i think that you know just separate from that in the movie having somebody just like run through here is a little bit more effective in terms of being like oh wow there's there's people who are already here they're already like they're they're living here and they're everywhere and it's they're creepy you know and and makes them a little bit more creature like than almost human yeah, yeah, it's great because there's that shriek and Snake never even sees the person. So that's great that the audience sees it and, and the hero doesn't. And he never notices it. He never hears anything. So it gives you a little bit of a 
it's a bit of a jump scare and lets you know, okay, yeah, that you know, this this place is really nuts. Unless this guy's like jogging, you know, and he just wants like a safe place to go running, and this is like normally like okay, you know, and he's just making the pass through, and yeah, he's just interrupting his his quiet exercise time. He just likes to work things out in his head, and Snake's just interrupting that. But <laughs> <laughs> he's wearing his best all black jogging suit. <laughs> yeah. Now before uh, I know we jumped ahead a bit here to after snake could leave but uh, a couple of things from when he's still up there on the 50th floor i want to talk about that walkie-talkie that he's got the the prop that was used in this movie is actually made from a kid's toy by a company called fanon f-a-n-o-n and they just painted it black and silver it was small enough for him to clip on his belt and you can actually go on ebay and find old fanon toy walkie-talkies for sale if mm. so inclined to maybe Make your own homemade Snake Plissken walkie-talkie. Nice. <laughs> but that's and, kind of cool for, yeah. for Halloween, because you know people still like to dress up as snakes, so that would be a good tip. And another thing that was in the script that was not filmed, as Snake goes on his long walk down the, the 50 stairs, which, by the way, that, that, this is that long walk that Hauk was so smug about earlier on, Molly, of course. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, you're going to have to walk down. Here's that nice long walk. There was a vertigo-inducing shot looking down the stairwell at one point with Snake walking down that they didn't film. And again, this would be, you know, some of these things would be great to find out why certain film uh, scenes or shots were not filmed. Mm, yeah, yeah, because I can see that actually being pretty good because that connects back to, like you're saying, what Hauk was flipping him shit about earlier and, you know, reinforcing that, yeah, it's going to be a schlep for, the t- for you to get back down to ground floor. Um, thank God he's a, you know, baseball player and probably in good shape, but, um, I do think it's kind of interesting, uh, talking about the 50th floor here that there's a lot of papers on the ground yeah, and a lot of trash. And so that just makes me wonder, you know, is this was like a Wolf of Wall Street party that went wrong or, <laughs> you know, what happened exactly <laughs> that there's, cause it's kind of fresh, you know, like this isn't. You know, I understand the 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 anarchy of the situation, but it's kind of interesting to see, you know, this office space so just like wrecked, and and this stuff looks like really you know fresh here to me. But I think maybe that also speaks to you know the the subtext which we don't necessarily have in the movie that there's uh you know this population is slowly slowly going insane here in the country and, and most especially in the prison. Yeah, it also it almost makes it seem like when they made the announcement we're turning Manhattan into a prison, everyone has to leave the island. You know, you got twenty four hours to get out. So like, ah, oh, just, just papers flying and everything like that. And you know, fifteen years later, here's the papers still lying on the floor or something. Because I don't think that the prisoners have all of this paper, um, unless people when they left the island really just did just leave stuff behind and over the years prisoners have used the paper but you'd think they would use it for a fuel source you know mm-hmm. burning you know you'd think they use it to burn as fire i mean paper you would think would be one of the top commodities in the prison you would yeah. think yeah right but that's and... also a long ways to walk up to get some paper that's what is, <laughs> 50 floors yeah <laughs> But you just got time on your hands, though, too. That's true. You got nothing but time, so might as well. Yeah, I mean, it gets cold. So I don't know what folks are doing in the winter. But yeah, like you're saying, that's a fuel source. Or if you're writing a screenplay, you know, (laughs) I mean, there's going to be a play we're going to see eventually. And you're going to need 
you need a you need a plan, man. You gotta you gotta write those scenes out. So this is where you get that, I guess. And we have some more graffiti we can see as the camera pans with Snake walking. We've got a, we've got some rain clouds, interestingly enough. We've got I see the word blood with an exclamation point after the after it. We have got a very interesting take on a skull and crossbones. It, it's obviously meant to be a skull and crossbones, but it's sort of doesn't look like a skull and crossbones at the same time. And I think it says death to all underneath it. If I'm reading uh, that yeah. yeah, I think you're right. And there's there's a red cross. And again, just like weird random letters that appear to have no connection to each other next to each other. Sans Thorpe or something. <laughs> and there's what looks like a very well done portrait of somebody in the middle section of that wall there. Yeah, is it like George Washington or something? Yes, <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say it looked like a Thomas Jefferson thing, but yeah, there's a there's a very nice um, spray paint rendering of one of our forefathers <laughs> on the wall. So get that out there. Yeah, the set looks really cool. I think overall, it, they they did a good, really good job on decorating these sets all on all three of these minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm super excited to get to this point where you actually get in the prison and just see just how weird this is. And the vibe is weird. And that's what I've always like, like dug about this part. I mean, you know, the majority takes place, but just the that you get a sense that you're in a really strange place. And even though like Snake obviously can handle himself. And on one hand, I feel like he I don't know, he like he kind of belongs here in a sense. Um in and he's he's okay with like the environment like he's not freaking out or anything not that he would he wouldn't be like oh my god why am i here but you know i this whole environment just is so creepy it's so creepy because it has that real something bad happened here something really really bad happened there are no people around and the few people that we even see in this minute are just in the fringes you know, of, of your sight line, they're in the shadows. And so it really does set up that that whatever has happened here, people people are not okay. <laughs> whatever happened here is very not okay. Yeah. I think you see a dude warming his hands by a fire in the uh, background when he's walking around on the street. Mm-hmm. You also and see a like, dude just, like, drinking a beer or something. Yeah. Right? Oh, Is that yeah. what that guy's doing? That like maybe about the fifty fifty one second mark or so of this minute, he's just standing there drinking, right? That's yeah, what it looks like. like a, yeah, I don't know if he's at like a forty or something. He's got <laughs> a, it's a wine bottle. <laughs> he's drinking straight from the bottle of wine. <laughs> I don't know, it's but yeah, there's place, yeah. not many people in here. It's strange, and but you know the street also looks very cool. There's a cool thing going on with the lighting in the background in this alleyway that Snake walks by, mm-hmm. where it's like glowing, like pulsating red lights in the background, and it looks really cool. And I assume that that was an actual like lighting decision and not like just from the fire. Like it wasn't natural firelight doing that because of the way it's pulsating. Mm-hmm. Right. But it looks cool. Yeah. Yeah. No way, because that fire is tiny in the background. <laughs> I'm just looking <laughs> at it right now. Yeah. And then there's some other thing that he walks by that's a turned-over car. Is that what it is? 
Mm-hmm. It appears to be a car on its side. Yeah. That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty cool. I mean, I kind of dig that somebody just hulked out and just, you know, moved this to the side. Uh, this is totally anecdotal, but I lived in London for a while and I watched this car slowly get stripped over the course of like two weeks or so. And it was the most like, and, and it reminds me of this where you just like watch, you don't see the people take shit off the car, but you in your commute going back and forth, slowly see the car disintegrate from people pulling off tires and, you know, mirrors and, and other parts of it. And it's just kind of like a husk of a vehicle. And I've never, I've lived in Los Angeles and London and, you know, Portland's not as big, but in, you know, Eric, you've probably seen more shit than I have, given like where you've lived, you in New York and seeing a lot more weirdness. But it, it's definitely it's definitely strange to see cars be not like just parked. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and there looks to be a crashed plane, maybe in the background at the very end here. Yes, you are correct. Yes. I wonder how that got there. <laughs> I guess I'm guessing that's something that is going to be covered in the next minute. And was previously covered in previous minutes as well. Ah. Oh, man, i got to watch this movie. <laughs> it's, it's a thing. The plane crash. Oh, don't tell him. Make him watch the movie. Oh, fuck. Sorry, no. Yeah. There's not I'll a plane crash. I'll straight up watch it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you got to promise to watch it now. Yeah. <laughs> is it me or is there a, like a water fire hydrant situation also happening here at the very tail end of this minute? Oh, yeah. You're right. Wait a minute. It totally is, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's so again, you know, with thinking about the wasted paper upstairs, that what a waste. I mean, clean water. Come on. I know, right? You can't just have that spewing up like there like that. That's a major waste of resources. I'm just yeah. saying, like Kevin, you should be crying being out of San Diego. Look at all that fresh water being wasted. <laughs> I know. We're in a drought, guys. Come on. <laughs> yeah, that's also kind of weird that there's still you know, those old municipal, I was going to say trappings, those trappings of civilization are still here on Manhattan, you know, being helpful and, you know, having access to water. But that is interesting that, you know, I don't know if uh, this plane ended up rattling it or hitting it on its way down, or it's just, it just does that, that there were crazies who were just like, let's fuck with this tonight. That seems legit, you know? Did you guys have anything other... Other interesting stuff that you want to chat about in this particular minute? Uh, uh, my notes for the week are complete. Yeah, same. I think I'm all I'm all out. All right. Well, Kevin, thank you very much for joining us this week. Give uh, everyone one more bit of info here about where they can hear you usually. You betcha. Yeah. Um, I am a co-host on Reopening the Wormhole, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast, and. We're watching every single episode in random order. We've only got about 10 left at the time of this recording. It'll be even less than that by the time this airs, probably. <laughs> Actually, I don't know when this is going to air. I could be totally wrong. But we would love to have as many people come join us as they want. We're on iTunes, on Stitcher, on just about everywhere you can find a podcast. And you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And hit us up on an email with at reopeningthewormhole at gmail.com. So we'd love to have more listeners. Wouldn't we all? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kevin, thanks again for joining us. And if you want to chat with us about our show, we are on Twitter, NY Minute Pod. 
We are on Facebook in Brain's Library, the Escape from New York Minute Hangout. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss out on an episode. And you can always rate and review us if you like us. And until next episode, be on time, stay out of the sewers, and we'll meet you on the other side of the wall. Mm-hmm.